Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and our guest is Edvige Tamali Talbayev, an assistant professor of French at Yale University. Her research interests include Francophone Maghrebi literature, post-colonial theory, non-Western modernities, and transnational modernisms. She has published on North African colonial and post-colonial literatures and on issues of modernity in European and non-European contexts. Today we talk with her about her forthcoming book, The Transcontinental Maghreb, Francophone Literature in a Mediterranean Context. Welcome. Thank you, Marilyn, for having me. Let us begin with an overview of your book and its premise. All right. Um, maybe I should talk a little bit about the scope first then. Okay. And explain what I mean by Maghreb and Mediterranean. Wonderful. So the Maghreb is the northern, northwestern part of the African continent mm -hmm. that stretches, that can stretch depending on definitions, from the uh, western part of the continent, so west, western, um, western Sahara, mm -hmm. all the way to Libya and western Egypt. And the constant in this definition is the presence of native populations known in the West as Berbers. Oh, okay. So that would be the textbook definition, but my Maghreb is slightly different in the sense that I work in the field of Francophone postcolonial studies, mm -hmm. and so my Maghreb is the three former colonies that France um, held dominion over in North Africa, okay. so Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. Okay. And so my book looks at this territory in relation to the broader region of the Mediterranean that stretches from the Strait of Gibraltar to the west, all the way to the Middle East and Palestine, Lebanon and at the interactions um, between the two. Okay. So the premise of the book is that in this corpus, the corpus of Francophone Maghrebi literature, that is the literature written in French in the three former colonies, French colonies in mm -hmm. North Africa, there is a Mediterranean ethos, a sort of um, submerged ethos within this literature that my project aims to excavate. Okay. So the Maghreb is a fascinating space for many reasons, but what really attracted me to it is the polyphony and plurality of cultures, religions, and languages. Mm -hmm. Since within the Maghreb you find all three um, monotheistic religions, the Jews, first of all, since um, very early on, in fact, ever since before um, the fall of the Second Temple, mm -hmm. so a very old, um, old standing presence. Then Islam starting in 649 AD and Christianity as well, both in the days of the Roman Empire and in the later days of European colonialism. Okay. So these three religions are present as well as a number of languages and dialects, which makes it a particularly rich cultural area. Mm -hmm. And so my, my premise was really to try and look at this diversity in the frame of the Mediterranean and to harness this local plurality to the broader narrative of historical contact that existed not just in the Maghreb but throughout mm -hmm. the Mediterranean starting um, starting from ancient times really. Okay. And why did you feel it was important to write the book? Well, I felt that my argument allowed me to address a number of issues that I think are very relevant and pressing mm -hmm. in contemporary times. The first one is this issue of the Mediterranean mm -hmm. in itself. What does it mean exactly? Um, historically, in discourses of Western modernity, the Mediterranean has been 
has been pictured in different ways, but mostly the image that would be prevalent was that of a fractured space between a northern shore that would be European mm -hmm. and belong to that logic, and then a southern shore, Islamic, Arab, Muslim, right. that would be the other mm -hmm. to this Europe. And so my idea by focusing on, the, on this region, this transnational space of the Mediterranean, was really to try and build some kind of alternative discourse and read the Mediterranean differently alongside this fractured vision mm -hmm. of it. So I thought that it allowed me to really both examine and critique this notion of the Mediterranean, the two notions of the Mediterranean that we hear about very often, the first one being that of a space, as I said, of fracture, and that would be prevalent in um, a clash of civilization type of paradigm where you look at Europe and the Arab world as being two incommensurable spaces and mm -hmm. civilizations. And then the other side of the Mediterranean, which I'm really interested in, which is the Mediterranean as a space of mediation. And so a space that would, that would of course, obey a fractured and um, asymmetrical logic, but also a logic of cooperation and collaboration between mm -hmm. the two shores. So I was interested, I thought it was important, in fact, to investigate both readings of the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And then the, on the Maghrebi side of things, I, um, I was interested in trying to find alternative readings of culture and identity that would not necessarily restrict the Maghreb to either a sort of pan-Arab history with Islam, the Arabic language, um, and a kind of formatted nationalist sense of identity on the one hand, and um, on the other hand, the relation between the Maghreb and France. I wanted to see what existed beyond mm -hmm. this pan-Arab <coughs> or Franco-Maghrebi logic. And okay. so this kind of plural, disjunctive reading of the Maghreb as a Mediterranean space allowed me to add another dimension to this discourse. And how did you do your methodology? Well, um, I think that I was very careful, in fact, not to impose any kind of preconceived notion mm -hmm. on this trope of the Mediterranean, to really take it um, differently at different stages in the book, different moments. So the book is a succession of chapters, of course, that mm -hmm. each focus on one specific moment that are very specific and that have very marked idiosyncrasies. And so. Um, it starts in the 30s with the School of Algiers, which was um, a school of writing that emerged in the Algerian capital around a number of figures, very famous ones like Albert Camus, Emmanuel Robles, Gabriel Odizio. And then I traced this throughout the nationalist period in the 50s with uh, Dib and uh, Kateb, and then in the 70s and 80s, the moments of disillusion, and then in the contemporary uh, period. Mm -hmm. And so I tried for each one of those chapters to really focus on the specificities of this moment and okay. to try to let the text speak to me in a way and to see where I was getting, just looking at the literature, at the cultural context. And so the methodology um, in this regard was not necessarily unified, but tried to take each context separately. Mm -hmm. So what it meant in terms of research was, of course, a lot of time in the archive because mm -hmm. I had to go and explore, especially the earlier moments, the right. 30s, the 40s, not everything is accessible easily. And so I had to travel, um, I had to, travel to Europe quite mm -hmm. a bit, um, to France, to Spain, because my original project also incorporated a little bit of Spanish in it. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go and look at periodicals from the, from the time period, mm -hmm. at different journals, and to see what those authors were writing in these other media, which were very popular in those days. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how does your research differ from 
other work that has been done during this time period? I know you touched on a little bit earlier, but can you can you um, elaborate on that a yes. bit? Yes. Um, a number of people are talking about the Mediterranean these days. It's one of those um, catch-all categories that mm -hmm. everybody seems to be bandying about. Mm -hmm. So I think that it was very important for me methodologically, actually, to elaborate on the previous question, mm -hmm. too, to look at things, um, to look at the Mediterranean not just as a geographical space or a sea, so not just text that would be about the Mediterranean, but to look at the Mediterranean as a heuristic tool or a specific aesthetic, so mm -hmm. as a trope, something that would have philosophical, political, aesthetic implications, and to try to have this kind of complex and layered understanding of it, so that the Mediterranean wouldn't just become another name for diversity or for Franco-Maghrebi crossings, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of, of these works end up being about, just another way of looking at how France and the Maghreb um, intersect, and I wanted to go beyond. I wanted to take this logic to a onto a transnational plane mm -hmm. and to try to diffract the paradigm a little more. So that's one first um, difference. The other difference that um, I would point out is that I try to do things diachronically, mm -hmm. starting, as I said, with the 30s and tracing it back all the way to the present and a number of very contemporary concerns such as clandestinity, the clandestine illicit migration from Africa and North Africa to Europe, these issues of nomadism that have been, um, that have been really um, adapted to the contemporary context mm -hmm. of illegal migration and those tragedies that we read about in the, in the newspapers every day. Mm -hmm. So in this sense, I try to keep some kind of historical continuity in it. And the last um, main difference I would say is that, so this is one book, but this is part of a bigger project. Right. Um, and I always try to have an approach that emphasizes not just French and Arabic, which are the main two languages of the Maghreb, mm -hmm. but also other languages or other idioms. And so this project is technically only about Francophone literature, that mm -hmm. is literature written in French. But the last chapter, for instance, also includes other languages. And in the, in the rest of the chapters throughout, I really try to look at the way that French intersects with other cultures, other, other norms, other, mm -hmm. other traditions, other idioms, as I said. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just about one language. It's really a plurilingual, pluricultural lens mm -hmm. that I am adopting to look at this corpus. Okay, and what have, what have you found? What are some of your conclusions? Well, um, one of the things that actually struck me when I did the research was the extent to which this trope was absolutely central to the corpus. And it's some, not something that I anticipated, really. I knew that it was very crucial in colonial days because mm -hmm. it was a very easy way to deflect the issue of nationalism and whether or not Algeria, since most of these people were in Algeria, mm -hmm. should be independent. And so for Camus, for instance, the Mediterranean was a very, very um, convenient conceptual way out of this bind since he just refused the possibility of independence and colonialism was becoming untenable. Uh -huh. So in the 30s, it was understood that I would find this almost everywhere that I looked, but what I wasn't expecting was to find it so clearly marked at different times throughout the history of the region, cultural history of the region. Mm -hmm. so for instance, when? Well, in the contemporary period, obviously, we've talked about mm -hmm. this um, across the fields, I think, this, this obsession almost with the time, for instance, of Al-Andalus, you know, the seventh century 
rural Arab and Berber rule over parts of Europe, which mm -hmm. here has been really focused on the Andalusian space as a mm -hmm. space of living together, of coexistence, convivencia in Spanish. And this idea that somehow it is part of the Maghrebi history. And so in the 90s, especially in Algeria, there is this tendency for authors who do not accept the state of things, the black decade, what, that, what has been called the black decade, which is in effect a civil war between Islamists on the one hand and the power in place, the pouvoir on the other, and who saw in this Andalusian utopia a sort of space where another understanding of identity and culture could be articulated. Mm -hmm. And so it, it remained very relevant and very current all the way to today, in fact. Okay. So that's one of the things that I was really surprised about. Okay. Um, another conclusion is that the Mediterranean is really, um, it, it evolves very much. It's, um, it's not one single, one single trope. It is something that has gone through history and that can be either utopian or dystopian, for instance. That mm -hmm. is another thing that I wasn't necessarily, um, necessarily expecting to find, especially in light of what it was in the 30s and the 40s. Mm -hmm. But this, especially in the recent moment of clandestinity and clandestine crossing, it has become this space of dystopia. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was important to balance both representations. Okay. And I know this is, your book is part of a larger research project that you're working on. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. It is, yes. Well, the project, I think all of my projects, there are several, really have this thread um, in common, which is, again, the Maghreb and the Mediterranean mm -hmm. and the interface between the two. What the other projects do that this one doesn't do too much is look at other languages, other corpora in Spanish, Italian, a number of dialects even of mm -hmm. Southern Europe on the one hand, Arabic, French, of course, and then try to have this kind of pluricultural and plurilingual approach to okay. things. Um, one of the questions that I think I'm getting more and more interested in is this idea of diaspora and this idea of mobility. Mm -hmm. And so getting out of the Maghreb per se, when you look at what happens when people cross the sea into Europe, to go to France, but also to go to other territories that are not necessarily historically linked to the Maghreb. I'm thinking mm -hmm. of the Netherlands, for instance. Right. There's no connection okay. there, right. or to America, the United States. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in seeing what those non-standard trajectories mean and how they could force us to rethink our critical practices. Mm -hmm. And so at the intersection of this plurilingual lens and then this interest in non-standard diasporic patterns, I actually started getting interested in the production of a certain certain community of North African authors in Europe who have decided to write in other languages than French and Arabic. Oh, interesting. Yes, and so they write in Italian, in Catalan, in Spanish. Um, that's just for the Mediterranean zone, which uh -huh. I am interested in. But if you take it further, you find production in German, in Dutch, in English. So that is something that is really understudied at the mm -hmm. moment and that I, that I think has a lot of potential. Yeah. And so, um, in fact, I will be um, holding a conference here at Yale on this very topic okay. that I think might be of interest to our viewers, yes. which is going to be called Beyond French, New Languages for Africa. African diasporic literature mm -hmm. that I'm organizing in partnership with my colleague, Professor Christopher Miller, who is a professor of French and African and African-American studies here at Yale. 
and that will examine this corpus. So corpus written by African authors who have moved to Europe, but not necessarily to France, and who have chose, chosen other languages mm -hmm. of expression than French or their local native mm -hmm. languages. So it will take place in March, the last weekend in March, 29th and 30th of March in the spring. It is sponsored by two councils at the Macmillan Center, the African Studies Council and the Center on Middle Eastern uh, Council, sorry, mm -hmm. on Middle Eastern Studies, as well as the CAM Fund and a number of national literature departments. And it will gather together a number of scholars from all three continents, the US, Africa, and Europe, mm -hmm. for two days of panels, film screenings, discussions. And finally, a beautiful round table with three authors, uh, Leila Lilami, who mm -hmm. is the Moroccan author who writes in English, who yeah. has gained a lot of fame mm -hmm. here, and whose collection of short stories, in particular, Hope and Other Dangerous Pursuits, is now one of the mainstays of any, almost any syllabus in post-colonial Anglophone literature in this mm -hmm. country. She'll be here talking about her choice to write Very in exciting. English, to leave Morocco, yeah. yes. Uh, then Pap Kuma, who is a Senegalese author writing in Italian and who has become one of the most prominent voices of this new Italian, um, African-Italian community okay. back in Italy. And Rashida Lamrabet, who is a Moroccan as well, but a Berber this time, who uh -huh. writes in Dutch from Belgium. Wow. And who has two novels who have garnered award as well and uh, who are being very, very important in uh -huh. this new literary landscape. Very exciting. We'll have yes. to look forward to that. Yes. Well, thank you very much for being here and sharing some of your work. Thank you, Marilyn, for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay. For more information about Professor Talame Talbayev and her research, please visit our website at yale.edu slash Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report, made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale.